Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simonchov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. It is said in the popular vernacular that March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. And I got to tell you, the weather lions are roaring in Jerusalem. Usually I say, good morning, boys and girls. It's so sunny out. It's so beautiful. It's so warm and toasty. It is so miserable out there. And it's like letting us know that God gives and God brings the rain and brings the wind and everything in the right season. And although we hunger for summer, you know that in the midst of July and August, we'll be moaning, where are the winter rains? Um, Let's see, on today's show, obviously, we cannot not speak about the horrors uh, that are happening between Russia and the Ukraine. I'm not going to go into heavy-duty political assessments. There are those that are better than than I at that, but we're going to talk about the heart, the belly, the fear, the vulnerability, and what we can do, what powers each of us as individuals and as a community still hold. I'm looking at the romper room moment. So far joining us this morning, we have, well, late at night, we have listeners from the U.S. Hey, Hi, America. Canada's listening in this morning. We have Algeria with us today. And I'm certain that soon, soon, we'll have our friends from South Africa and around the world. Okay. Oh, Ireland joined us. That's great. Very, very happy. Again, any questions about the show? Anything you want to chat with? Want to drop me a note? Want to take issue? Want to share your own thoughts, pieces of your own life? I beg you, please. Well, not really beg, but requesting. Drop me a note, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we can keep the conversation going even offline. Uh, When I come back, I'm going to tell you that I am living to report that I actually babysat for four toddlers this week. And I realized my job was not to, you know, nurture, not to nourish. My job was to keep small people alive. I succeeded. My name is Andrea Simentov. Guess what? I'll see all of you on the other side. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, the only place that your computer should be. This is the only address that belongs in your search bar, your address bar. Okay, 
Um, let's see. So I kind of alluded to the fact that I kept four toddlers alive this week. That was like my big, I have to take a nap for the rest of the week. That's why I need Shabbos. It was not easy. Bath time, food time. I really, I said, I'll never be that kind of a grandmother. Ice cream. Really? I was throwing ice cream at these kids. Ice cream and hot chocolate. And um, their mother can deal with the sugar high for the rest of the week. But you know what? My Hebrew really improved. I did a lot of first and second grade Hebrew homework, maybe it was second and third grade. I'm not sure, but I was really, I was very impressed with myself. I have to tell you. Um, okay. We're oh, so just to get kind of the humorous, but interesting stuff out of the way before we dive deeply, delve deeply, delve, not so deeply superficially into some of the issues of the day. I do want to share something that kind of, I, I began a course last night. I have to tell you, after babysitting two days, not seeing my husband, um, the dog missed me more, I must confess. And when I got back to Jerusalem, I had no time to see him. I ran. I, I don't know what. I grabbed some of those instant soups, really poison for the system. And I went to this course. And as usual, wherever I go, I tend to be one of the oldest people there. I'm not sure if it's because I'm just immature or I'm kind of drawn to, I don't know what's happening with some of the uh, older people. They're not taking courses. They're not going to classes. They're not dancing. What are they doing? Um, I, you know, I, I still drive past my old high school when I visit America and I see boys standing outside in black leather jackets. And I think I'll recognize some, like some of them that I've dated. Anyway, um, this age thing is not right. Anyway, this woman comes over to me during the break. She was clearly, and, you know, she was an older woman uh, dressed as a stereotypical older woman. And she came over to me during the break and she sort of gave me the shoulder nudge and said, I'm so happy to see you here. We bubbies have to stick together. horrified at first I was horrified and then I laughed I couldn't wait to get home to tell Ronnie tell the husband about um you know how I was mistaken for a geezer that I don't feel a geezer and I thought it was really quite humorous because she clearly looked like a grandma and I thought I looked like somebody's hip older sister but once I stopped laughing and I woke up this morning and I thought about sharing it with all of you I thought to myself you know what people we have to be careful. You know, I thought it was funny because I'm, I'm relatively healthy some days, some evenings. But, you know, in retrospect, we don't know what other people are going through. We're never going to get it wrong or we'll rarely get it wrong if we just shut up. There are people have their own personal sights, the way they see themselves. And we could inadvertently None of us listening to this show for sure are running out and thinking how we can injure somebody. But I remember years and years ago, I share this with you, just popped in my head during the break. I was taking um, singing lessons. I was studying with a, a former operatic, really a, a master from the former Soviet Union who at the fall of the Iron Curtain came to America and he lived in this little suburban town where nobody appreciated him. He looked eccentric, but I remember he had this marvelous name. I'm not going to say it in case any of his 
uh, children are listening, grandchildren listening to the show. And when I was singing badly, he would rap the piano with a ruler and, and scream and cry and, you know, how, how horrible, how, how his life had been reduced to students like me. But when I was singing really beautifully, when I really was hitting those notes and taking it into the soul, suddenly he would sing along with me. And you would feel his youth and you would feel his ardor and you would feel his passion. And it, it traversed time. And one day at my final lesson, my, my father, may he rest in peace, who was not very cultured, uh, but paid for all his children to become educated and become sophisticated and become cultured. He came to my final lesson. I wanted him to hear what he had been paying for to see. And he sat and he didn't understand opera. He didn't really like opera. And he sat and he listened and I gave it my all. And my maestro sang along with me and both of us tears coming down our face. And at the end of the lesson, I'm sorry, I'm giving you a, a sort of a hint in my left or what happened. My father said to him, searching in his, my father's occasional inept way, he was searching for something kind to say about an art form that he really loathed. And he said to the maestro, thank you very much. I see that you once had a lovely voice. Kaboom. The pain, the hurt. He looked at my father and with a rage, he said, I still do. And 17-year-old me in the car sat up, pressed against the door in the window, screaming, how could you do that? How could you say that? I'll never go out in public. But I was thinking about that this morning. I forgave my father, and I'm sure that professor um, <laughs> was able to forget about him soon after. But I thought to myself, we can injure one another. Let's not do that. Let's not. Okay, so let's see. Ah, yeah. All right. So um, from my perspective here, living here in Israel, until the recent Russian invasion of the Ukraine, Kiev at first, uh, at first attack, my Facebook feed was filled, 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 filled with terrible pictures, terrible sadness. What can we do? Uh, news reports. But one of the things that stands out very much is I received a lot of notices or saw postings here in Israel about Ukraine's complicated relationship with their Jews, certainly historically, certainly during the era of the Shoah and the Holocaust and post-Holocaust. And um, I read it all. And I'm saying now, just stop, just stop. I have made a decision that I'm even deliberately not reading all of the Jew pride, Jew connected, Jew celebratory um, information about uh, President Zelensky. Because none of that matters now. None of us are in charge. If we can make a change in the life of one person, let it, whether it be our neighbor, whether it be our opera teacher, whether it be a child's nursery school aide, 
This is stuff, 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 stuff that we can do. I leave the big things, the big things to heaven, the big things to God. Um, you know, Rabbi Avraham uh, Yehoshua Heschel in his famous, famous book, The Sabbath and Its Meeting for Modern Man, talks about um, the Sabbath in terms of what we can do and what is important in the Torah. The importance of the, in the Torah is everything to do with time. What are we doing with our time? Whether it's a friend that we know personally, or it's a friend that we have not yet met. Read a wonderful quote and it said, when you have a friend and you can fill in the blank and fill in the picture form, fill in the, uh, the avatar that you want. When you have a friend that's going through a personal storm, instead of being a weatherman and spreading the news, every one of us can try being an umbrella and cover them with love. The more we give, we can never get it wrong. Rabbi, Avraham, uh, Rabbi Dessler, um, Eliyahu Dessler in Michtavme Eliyahu, the letters of Eliyahu, speaks about when we're confused, when we're feeling frightened, when we're feeling marginalized, when we're feeling sidelined. Don't try to rally against it. Don't try to be clever. Don't guess whether or not we're being gaslighted or what is some of the new vernacular, the ghosting, we're being ghosted, gaslighted, um, as I said, sidelined. What we can do and do and do is give. Just give. Give to our enemies. Give to our friends. Give to strangers. Came across a, um, a posting. Oh, I got a note from Susan. We've we spoken to Yadla Kashish. That's the lifeline for the old here in uh, Jerusalem. A lot of Russians working for them. Anyway, Susan, who I actually interviewed on the show, told me out of nowhere, she said, you know, Andrea, I wanted to know, I wanted to see if you'd be interested in knowing that 250 of our baby blankets have been donated to send to the Ukraine. Little old ladies, Russians, Moroccans, Ethiopians, knitting, crocheting, sewing, putting on appliques, sending. The local Haboidum, it's a um, used clothing store. It's actually the size of a, a garage. People are going in, buying their goods, and they're shipping them to the Ukraine. Little things, dumbing it down, loving it down. Nobody's inviting me to mediate. None of us. My name is Andrea Semintov. When I come back... Let's think more how we can make this world glorious. I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. 
But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For a Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, we're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You know, I just realized that whole little Shabbos intro that I gave, um, I kind of segued off because it needed more time. It really did need more time. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to stop the flow of this artistic treatise here. Um, let's just look very quickly that... Um, Apparently, thousands of Ukrainians are inquiring about moving to Israel. Uh, it's it's just so so terribly sad that they've received thousands of inquiries. Apparently, the road to Warsaw, which is where so many are waiting, has been totally blocked. Last Shabbos, after our last show, I don't think it was because of the show, but last Shabbos. Um, the organization announced the Jewish agency, which is actually, I always thought it was a government body, but it's not. It's like semi-government. I'm not sure where the private aspect comes in, but they oversee, the Jewish agency oversees immigration to Israel or Aliyah, as you know, you regular listeners. And suddenly there's this unexpected wave. You know, I mean, Need I say that we wish that this wave going on 24 hours a day all the time from every Jew around the world. Okay, there she said it. Nevertheless, during this incredible, unprecedented, well, not unprecedented, but this unforeseen crisis, the Jewish agency said it was establishing six Aliyah processing stations on the Ukrainian border with Poland, Moldova, Romania, Hungary. Um so just stay tuned. I don't know, you know, I'm very quick to lambaste Israel. Israel really, in so many ways, we're just so behind the eight ball and we plot and we don't get to things and we deal with things on emergency basis. Only we're so good in these emergencies. The regular day-to-day coping in this country isn't so great. But um, when it comes to an emergency, I don't know how the Jews of Israel do it. Excellent example. Apparently, doctors from the um, doctors are, uh, let me just see this. Oh, wait, we're not looking at that. Oh, yeah, the Sheba Medical Center here in Israel. We, I used to call, we used to call it Telashomer. They've called it Sheba Medical Center. They are actually caring for sick and injured Ukrainians from Israel, 2,000 miles away. That tech world where they say that the world is shrinking. I'm almost embarrassed to like report on this because I'm so overwhelmed in awe. They're using computerized systems built in Da Israel, and they're working with doctors, I don't know, in bomb shelters, in subway stations, in children's nurseries where they are um, hiding, protecting the refugees and those who are sick and failing. It's called telemedicine. Unbelievable. Okay, let's see. Before we go on to all our other stuff, any questions? Do you have any thoughts about this? Have you yourselves uh, any 
articles that you want, things that I may have missed. Um, let's see. Oh, nerve-wracking, frightening. Yeah. Had an experience this week. Curious what you think about this. Well, it was crazy. I came across this ad. Um, my gosh, it's so embarrassing. It was an ad for a piece of, let me just say it's a garment. And I tried to find the source of this quote. And I thought it's so beautiful to be wasted on something as plebeian as a piece of clothing or jewelry. But it's something we talk about all the time on this show. We talk about this crazy, this need for perfection, this need to conquer it all, this need to be a human doing rather than a human being. So I came across this lovely idea about perfection. And if you know where I got this from, don't tell because it's so embarrassing, but I loved it. So sent it to everyone I know. Okay. I think I'm becoming a Hallmark card. So it says, let's let go of the idea of perfection. You're not perfect. You are real. Let's allow ourselves to be flawed and allow ourselves to make mistakes, to recognize that we're not always going to have it all together. Sometimes the heart is going to break. We're going to get hurt. We're going to feel pain. Let's stop apologizing for being broken. Because every time you break, you become a little more alive. You become a little more open. Those breaks make us porous. We become exposed to our sensibility. Every crack tells us a little more about ourselves, our strength, our courage, that thing called tenacity, what we are made of. Mm -mm. Let's not hide these pieces from the world because they're part of who we are. You see, the most beautiful people are indeed somehow, somewhat broken. Their hearts are heavy, but they love the deepest. They've seen the dark, but they appreciate everything that shines. Those of us who are flawed, those of us who are broken, those of us who spend some days just crawling to the surface, let's celebrate ourselves for being a little more compassionate, a little more understanding, and a heck of a lot more empathetic. Beautiful hearts, beautiful souls, beautiful outlooks don't just happen I like that. Okay. I want to get back to this because we're going to soon end up going into our hold of our Torah, which I don't know. I don't know how God does it. Makes every Javar Torah just line up with the world or does the world line up with the Torah? We know about that blueprint. Anyway, I was talking about the book, The Sabbath and Its Meaning for Modern Man, it explains the basis of Torah. Unlike other religions, and I know that so many of you were really, really interested, the Torah does not concern itself with things or space. This is very important because we're talking about the Mishkan, the, ta the tabernacle. What is all important in Judaism, all important in Torah, is 
time. No wonder that the most divine word in the Torah is kadosh, holiness. It was used for the first time after the creation with regard to what? The Shabbos, the Sabbath. After Hashem made that seventh day holy by resting, not working, in fact, the holy things had not been commanded until the people of Israel had succumbed to the temptation of the golden calf. You know, as I was reading this and preparing for today's program, I found myself kind of teary, kind of ashamed until I realized or that I accepted that this vulnerability, our kadusha, our holiness is our strength. It's not what we accomplish, but it's what we are. So there's a lot of writings, we call them Midrashim. They elaborate on the fact that the tabernacle, the Mishkan, was not ordered until the children of Israel had sinned with the golden calf. The Mishkan was granted only as kind of like a result of our human frailty. We're told about how the sons of Israel came to God and said that the other nations built their God's sanctuaries. Quote, they had their tents, tables, candlesticks. Should not you, Hashem, possess the same trapping of sovereignty that may be known to the world, that thou art our king? And what does Hashem answer? You who are flesh and blood have need for all of this, but I have no such need. I'm master of the universe. I don't drink. I don't eat. I don't need light. Thus Israel replied to the Lord, the universe, we don't, we don't seek our forefathers. You are our father. Avraham knows us not. Yisrael, Yaakov knows us, doesn't acknowledge us, and said to Hashem, Hashem says to them, if so, make what you desire, but make as I command you. We see from this Midrash that the concept of space did not bear any significant space and things were merely imposed upon us to accommodate the needs, those so human needs of Israel. In fact, this Parsha, the Torah portion, we see that after the tabernacle, Mishkan was completed, it was actually Moshe who sanctified it. And it came to the day when Moshe finished erecting the Mishkan, that he anointed it and sacrificed it. On the other hand, it was Hashem who sanctified the Shabbat and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Therefore, more than things, the Shabbat is so much more important I raise this issue today because we're thinking what we can do. There are those of us who are Sabbath observant, and sometimes it gets tedious. Oh, this again. Oh, this again. Oh, this again. No, the opposite. When we approach the gift of glorious time that God has given us, we can approach every moment that might feel wearying, might feel uh, tedious and say, what can I do to make this better? How much holiness, how much Kedusha can I this week infuse in my Sabbath? 
in my relationships, in my cooking, in my parenting. We can always make it better. We have the power. My name is Andrea Simintol. I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every month. Okay, we're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You hear my voice is speeding up. There's so much I want to share, so much I want to talk, so much I want to hear your hearts, you know, hands across the ocean, hands across the cyberspace. So in addition to our listeners today, we're at the last stage, but I saw we're here with the UKs with us today, Argentina, Algeria, of course, we said Canada, Israel, Australia's with us, Ireland, India's listening in today. Oh my gosh, we share so much more than that which divides us. Yeah, let's remember that. Let that be our oxygen for the day. So we talked about integrity. My show today, I forgot what it was called, The Last Frontier, Integrity. But you know what? I have to change it when I do the posting for I, we announce it for the, uh, on the, the station's website because it's not the last frontier. In Judaism... Integrity in public life, integrity in private life, integrity in all our thoughts, integrity in all our deeds, integrity in all our attentions. It's the first frontier. That's not to say that we don't wince when we think about some of the ugly incidents throughout history, both modern and old, that involved members of our tribe. But I always say there's blessing in the wincing. His blessing in the shame. Um, Rabbi Sachs, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Zatzal brings down this week that <clears throat> there's a verse that's so familiar in the Shema Yisrael, you know, the, the clarion call of Jews through time immemorial. And it's from the first line of the Shema. And I read it to you. Hashem you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your me'od, your might. That last word is usually translated. The word is me'od. I say with might, with strength. But Rashi, following the Midrash and Targum, he translated as, I kid you not, as wealth. So wait a second. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your wealth. Well, that, that verse becomes kind of kind of bizarre. Um, with all your soul was understood, the sages to mean with your life, if need be. Jews are called to give up their lives. And there are times, thankfully, very rare indeed, where we are commanded rather than commit a sin or a crime. 
life is more important than wealth. And yet the sages also knew that in their words, um, people do strange and crazy things when it comes to money. There has to be a scrupulous auditing and a transparency. Without this, there's a moral hazard that our wealth is going to drive our behaviors. The passage in the um, in the Torah talking about the accounting of the wealth for the tabernacle goes on to talk about the exact amounts of gold, silver, bronze collected and the purpose to which it was put. So why did Moses do this? Why is he like doing all of these um, calculations? Isn't it enough in our holy Torah to say Moses gave an accounting? Because my friends... People are still people, and on their worst day, people are not kind, very good at looking out, not so good at looking within. They criticized Moshe. They used to say to one another, huh, look at the neck, look at the legs. He's eating and drinking that which belongs to us. Basically, he's getting fat on our dime. And the other would say, well, a man who's in charge of the work of the sanctuary, well, what do you expect? He shouldn't get rich. You know, when Moshe heard this, he said, by your life, as soon as the sanctuary is complete, I will make a full reckoning to you. <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm jumping ahead in my particular work because I want to just share this part with you. Um, from the writings, there's a writing call. I know that you take down this note. Tom in California writes to me about this stuff all the time. The Ahavat Yonatan, that's your assignment today, Tom, to look up the Ahavat Yonatan. He asks the following question on the portion. Why didn't Moshe render the same accounting for the gold that was used in making the Mishkan as he did for the silver? Remember, he gave every exact uh, half shekel. And so in answering his own question, he says, because the gold was derived from voluntary donations, while the silver consisted of the half shekels, which every Israelite had been commanded to pay. Moshe felt that some of those who had made the compulsory contribution might become suspicious and demand that an exact accounting of what had been done with their money, but that generous individuals who had made voluntary donations of gold, they might not be so petty as to insist on such a report. It's contended, the Malbim contends, that the Mishkan itself rendered testimony to the fact that no embezzlement of funds had taken place. For had it been the case, uh, the Holy Presence certainly would not have revealed itself there. Moshe, therefore, had only to account for the mandatory contributions of silver. Today, I've worked for nonprofits, as many of us listening in. <laughs> you know, uh, Israel has a lot of those organizations. Present-day laws governing charitable organizations require that administrators account for all voluntary contributions, memberships dues, assessments, as well as gross receipts from activities, how many reams of papers are being bought and um, utilized in the day-to-day -day functioning. 
So it might be worth it. I don't know. I'm always thinking about my Shabbos table. I'm always thinking without, we don't want to have a tension at the Shabbos table, but how has our society progressed from the times of Moshe and whether or not contributors, those who are voluntary contributors, those who are not so voluntary, have a moral right to request an accounting from those who serve in uh, supervisory financial capacities of charitable organizations. Your thoughts, Andrea, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. So Rabbi Barrow Wine brings down to us that one of the many new, I love these buzzwords that he comes up with, he's right, big deal in our society, the word transparency. In our current world's uh, use of language, a lexicon, it substitutes for what earlier for our uh, a previous generation used to call accountability. Uh, duh. No matter, the idea is the same, namely that when it comes to public funds and positions, one is held to be responsible to the nth degree for what occurs under one's watch. You know? Supervising the tabernacle from scratch, making and collecting necessary funds and materials, paying workers, overseeing the construction. I don't know about you. That's not a finance. That's not an accounting job that I would want. However, the necessity for transparency and or accountability when it comes to funded funds is so vital. Moshe can't let it pass. He searches and searches until he's finally able to account for there was a previous 1,000 shekels missing. He went crazy. Excellent accounting methods have to be put into place to guarantee public trust and to prevent any misuse or slip shot handling of funds donated for the public good and holy purposes. You know, money can be a terrible thing, especially when there are egos involved. The basest acts today, the things that make us cringe, and indeed, as I said, wince, come from the kind of thievery that can be rationalized and excused. Um, let's see now, in terms of finishing, because we're coming down and I want to show, ah, yeah, okay. Um, the revelation and granting the Torah at Sinai contributed to the spiritual feat through which the golden calf indicates to us that even the experience of divine revelation does not guarantee that we maintain those spiritual heights and Torah behavior. Remember, I think it was last week, week we said that even a maidservant who witnessed Sinai, who witnessed the delivery of both the first and second sent sets of Luchot tablets, she's still referred to as a maidservant because keeping holy, keeping awe, keeping humble doesn't stay. We have to invest in it. There have to be deeper personal reasons for the ability of Israel to feel the divine spirit all the time. The divine spirit among a human society is obviously more dependent on the actions and behaviors of our society itself than on what God invests in us. Remember, a generation that's bitter, divided, intolerant, 
finger pointing. They're not. They're doing. They are. We're not going to be able to build a society or a mishkan worthy of God's presence. We're engaged in a struggle every day to have our holy Jewish state, to have our international Jewish society become more traditional, more spiritual, more idealistic. If every one of us listening in and lighting the Sabbath candles and bringing holy food into our homes and sharing holy words, if we can get a glimmer of God's presence, it'll be worth all of our efforts and sacrifice in achieving this goal. I wish you all Shabbat Shalom Umivorach from Jerusalem. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India. And I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.